with Rob Lewis and Austin Price, BrentHubsVolQuest.com, coming to you on this Thursday with the mailbag edition of the VolQuest.com podcast, presented by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Hey, we've been talking about their special promotion here in the month of January. You want to capitalize on this promotion. It's for that uh, single zone split mini unit. And uh, this unit is great if you have a small space that you're trying to heat and cool, like a garage or a uh, in-law suite or a bonus room or, or whatever you need. Uh, that this is a great little system to use. I, I've, I've told you about my mom's got one and a couple of places that other people that I know have one of these units. They're just a fantastic unit. For more information on this unit and how it can help your home or whatever small space that you're trying to heat and cool, um, give them a call at 865-299-2290 or visit them online at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. We're jumping into the questions and we'll go right out of the gate. Uh, there's plenty to get to in this edition of the podcast. Um, and we'll start with uh, the first one here. It's been said UT will be active in the transfer market, especially with pass rushers, DB, O-line, and quarterback. Any idea how the staff would rank these four in terms of need? Would they take more than one transfer at any particular position, any other position that could be actively working on via the transfer? Austin, they've offered a couple of wide receivers in the transfer market, uh, which is a little bit surprising to me. Uh, but we, I think we all believe that quarterback and pass rusher would be the two biggest priorities uh, in the transfer market if Tennessee can get involved in the transfer market, right? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, quarterback's number one. It's hands down number one. If they were going to take two guys, I can see them taking two quarterbacks because, again, the more you can have on your roster, the better chance you have to hit on one. Uh, I think it's still more likely they take one and not two, but I'm just saying I think I could see them taking two. I could see them taking two pass rushers. And, and I could see them potentially taking two guys in the secondary. Again, they have six spots left for transfer. So I, I'm, I'm looking at anything and everything, and that includes offensive linemen as well. Yeah, and I think the question is, what, what, how attractive are they to anybody in the transfer market right now, Rob, uh, with the uncertainty um, or, or the unknowns that are, that are hanging around out there? Uh, not all of these kids uh, who are in the transfer market are going to have decisions to make, made in the next two weeks, two and a half weeks when classes start. Uh, but, you know, a lot of these guys are making decisions, particularly the quarterbacks are making decisions, you know, and, and Tennessee's probably having a hard time selling themselves right now with, with the uncertainty with where things are. I would, think, I would think that was a vast understatement that they're having a hard time with, with that. And, and I mean, how can you sell it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I, you know, I'll have a conversation with them, but I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's very difficult to sell anything. I think it's very difficult to sell a potential staff member. I think it's certainly difficult to sell in recruiting, and I think it's you know difficult in the in the transfer market as as well for for Jeremy Pruitt and, and Tennessee at this point. Speaking of that, we've got several questions about the status of where things are right now, and this question is from uh, Deshaun thirteen. Is Tennessee as incompetent as they seem? Coaching hires, ADs that screw up searches, university presidents and investigations that leak. <laughs> Does getting football right help, or is this just what this school is? You know, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is they haven't gotten it right in, in 10 years, and, and they've had a hard time. Um, and that's, that's the bottom line. I think when you look at the resumes, Rob, the best coach that they hired was Lane Kiffin. He wasn't necessarily the best fit for Tennessee, and obviously he only stayed here one year. But in terms of what, you know, production on the field, Lane Kiffin's probably been the most successful guy out there. Uh, but they've had a hard time, you know, getting people and getting continuity in place and getting people 
rowing in the right direction and rowing in the right direction doesn't just mean spending a bunch of money, you know, that's getting everybody on board with things. And, and some of that's little things and some of it's, you know, bigger things in terms of what a student athlete needs and that type of stuff. It's just not been good for Tennessee. There's no other way to slice it. No, and I'd be interested to see, you know, whether if, if the change is made now or, or later, whatever, what, what kind of an impact um, it will have. It will have because Donde Plowman. I mean, I think she's pretty competent and she's, you know, interested in athletics. And I just think administratively behind the scenes, not just the athletic director, but, you know, from everything from boosters to, you know, university presidents. I mean, I, I think there's been so much upheaval and inconsistency there. I think when you're talking about a hire of this magnitude, you, I mean, like you said, rowing in the right direction. I mean, you've got to have that. And, I mean, Tennessee's Tennessee's made one good hire in a revenue producing sport in the last decade. And that's the that's the old guy coach of basketball right now. Yep, I agree with that. All right, AP UT Sportsman 16 wants to know which has been more challenging to cover this limbo investigation situation with Jeremy Pruitt or John Curry's coaching search. Also, how badly do you want all this to be over? Uh I will go with the fact that, that it's this limbo investigation, because there's not a whole lot. Rob just talked about Plowman. I, I have no issue with her not talking. Like, you know, she's not talking to anybody. You don't see anything coming coming out of her camp, anything getting, you know, you know, kind of even leaked out there in the least little bit. So, and I have no problem with that. You know, I, I do, I do question, does she understand the ramifications of, you know, the fallout of, not being able to hire quality coaches, not being able to take transfers, if you're planning on keeping Jeremy Pruitt. You know, I mean, you know, and again, until the change is made, he's Tennessee's football coach. So, um, you know, in, in my mind, like, you know, again, I, I get the going through the investigation, but I just feel like that being stuck in limbo is not doing anybody any good. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm more than ready for it to be. I'm more than ready just to kind of have a, a direction. You know what I mean? Well, and I, I mean, I think Jeremy Pruitt's at that point where he would like a direction, and I think everybody would would like a direction. You know, it, it's the, you know, it, it's the perceived lack of urgency that I think is is hurting Tennessee as, as much as anything with 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 a lot of people uh, at this point in time. Rob, I, I think the Curry thing, the Curry search, had its different sets of challenge, different set of challenge because it was ever changing every hour there was something new seemingly every hour there for about a week in particular um and, and so there was there was news to chase down the problem with this thing right now is you're going to sit here this week and nothing new is going to happen and i think you're going to go into next week and you're still waiting for some news because investigators or lawyers are still you know interviewing people and we're sitting here since december 19th with really no new news other than confirmation from the university that they're using an outside firm yeah i think that's a great way of putting it the, per, the perceived lack of urgency now i don't there may that, you know there may be some urgency on the inside but it's difficult to detect that and, and with the curry coaching search i mean at least you had you know some tangible rumors to chase down you know the mike gundy thing and obviously the you know the shiano deal i mean there was at least you know something that real as opposed to just this never-ending corner of rumors that have you know you have no idea if they're credible or not that you hear going on with this thing all right let's go to s pit vol he wants to know other schools seem to be able to keep their stuff in-house and not let fans and media know about it and create uncertainty and speculation a good example of this is florida with their investigation which was recently done 
Why does Tennessee continually shoot itself in a proverbial foot by letting things leak and create negativity around their program? Big-time programs don't operate like Tennessee has in recent years. That's a good question. I, I, I can't – I don't know why that's the case. You know, I mean, you know, uh, at, at the end of the day, you know, people got, you know, got their hands on this and, and went with it, and I get it. And, you know, but at the end of the day also, you know, I mean – other schools have been able to keep it in house and, 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 you know, get things done um, in a more, I want not even timely manner because Florida, I guess had been going over for a year, but you know, more in an in-house manner. So, um, you know, uh, I, I can't really, really give you a good answer on that. Can you Brent? No, I mean, I, go ahead, Rob. Go ahead. I, was gonna say, I think part of it is, you know, part of it may be agenda driven from inside the university, but I think also part of it is there aren't a lot of places in college athletics that get the media scrutiny Tennessee has. I mean, would, I mean, how many radio stations in town, you know, newspaper, us 24-7, you know, you've got a lot of guys and girls, you know, chasing, chasing stuff to try and be first in this market. I'm not saying you don't have that at other SEC schools, but, I mean, Gainesville in particular I don't think is like that. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is if you look at Tennessee, um, this place has always had a hard time keeping a secret. There's just – there's always been a lot of – I mean, there's just been people who have talked and, you know, we talked about rowing in the right direction. We talk about one voice and those types of things. And, you know, there's not been many secrets in this town um, where the university kind of sprung news on people. Okay. I mean, the best kept secret, the two best kept secrets in this town and my 25 years of covering this program was the Chris Lofton story and the 24 hours leading up to Peyton Manning announcing he was returning for his senior year. And I think the reason those were kept quiet is in the Peyton Manning story, about five people knew um, if that, and I think they, I mean, the people that knew were so loyal to Peyton that they would have, they would have never told that story. And when the Chris, Chris Lofton story, there were probably less than five people, Rob, that knew about that story. Um, and, and those were the two stories that stayed quiet at Tennessee. I mean, I, I was close with several guys on that staff at that time. I mean, I mean and, and still am, like guys that I call friends and still talk to, and I, I didn't have a clue until it broke. Yeah, and, those, and, and in that situation, I think you had two individuals there who were so highly respected by so many people that the four or five people that did know were never going to violate the trust with those guys because of the respect they had for them. Um, and so I, I think outside of that at Tennessee, there's always been some people that like to talk. And, and I think that, um, that that's, you know, the biggest reason why some things have through the years have gotten out. And, you know, right now, certainly, um, that story got out, which you didn't see at Florida and you didn't see other places. Um, and again, I'm not faulting the media and saying the media did anything wrong at all. They, they didn't, it's just somebody in the, somebody in the university, um, Tipped that, tipped that media member off, tipped Trey Wallace off on that story and, and pointed him in the right direction to go to work on things. And um, that's something that you haven't seen at other places on a consistent basis. All right, let's go back to a football question here. With Bryce Thompson gone, any player you could think that could take his role playing multiple spots in the secondary like he did? Also, is Schamberger set to return with his team? Is he still on the team? Uh, Austin, no. I don't see Schamberger back. You? No. I, I don't, John Denberger ain't gonna be back. Yeah, and could could a guy like Key Lawrence play multiple spots, or do you think he that's could. asking too much for a sophomore? 
I'm no, I don't think it's asking too much. I mean, I, you know, maybe from an experience standpoint, it might be asking too much, but I, I think Keyshawn's got a lot of, um, got a lot of uh, talent. Um, you know, he, he makes the most sense out of any of them. I mean, you know, if you look at, you know, you don't see much out of Warren Burrell or Kenneth George or Alante, you know, uh, it, it, it makes sense to me if, you know, it would be Keyshawn Lawrence. Well, he's right. a guy. Go ahead, Rob. I was just going to say that that was immediately the name that jumped in my mind. And he's a guy who played multiple spots in, in camp this year. I mean, they were going to play him at safety, and then they played him at corner, and then he's played some nickel stuff as well. So, I mean, I think that in this defense, uh, this staff certainly saw him as a guy who could play multiple positions. All right, 10 Ken. Uh, 1985, how hot is Fulmer's seat if, one, Pruitt's let go this year or, two, Pruitt returns next year and doesn't do well? My opinion seems like Fulmer is hedging his long-term future on Jeremy Pruitt. Um, you know, I, I think Coach Fulmer's probably in conversations with the chancellor um, and, and probably in, in conversations with things and probably has a pretty good – more of an idea of what's going on in this investigation than maybe – it was perceived to be by, by some uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, how long does Coach Fulmer want to do this job? I, I don't know wh where that's at. Um, he's taking criticism, and I think some justified criticism for giving the extension at the time that he, he gave the extension. And I think the, the bigger thing with Coach Fulmer is not just going to be with, with Jeremy Pruitt's success or not success if he's back, but also – the overall athletic department, where are they financially? How is that managed? And those type of things. I don't think, Rob, that, that anybody wants to fire this guy twice. Right. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I don't think that now could, you know, could somebody try to persuade him to go and retire and step aside and, and, and kind of land the plane softly if there's a, a desire to have a change there, maybe, but, but I have a hard time seeing this hall of fame coach who's given his life to Tennessee being sent packed twice since sent packing twice i mean I, I don't think there'll be a public firing and i'm not saying he's tied tied to jeremy but i, I think it's going to be hard i mean how old is philip what 73 is going to be 74 he's in I mean, his, just, yeah he's in his early 70s i mean i just don't think that i mean that's what i think the age is the biggest thing and i think because of that i'm not, i don't want to say this as a conspiracy theory or anything if they did if the decision was made to to move on, I think it would be arranged in such a way that he's able to gracefully ride off into the sunset. And as it should be, in my yeah, opinion. I totally um, agree. 100%. That's my opinion. All right. Um, I Heart Vols wants to know, Austin, take us behind the curtain of how an SEC staff puts together a recruiting class. How much do they depend on huddle film and things like the rivals rankings? How do they make contact? Do they contact high school coach first? Do the, does the high school or does the head coach make the call or an assistant take? take the call once a kid shows interest how often is the staff calling him camps visits etc cetera, etc cetera. anything you can share on this process would be much appreciated fascinating question what we could probably well, do a 30 minute podcast on but we, you know we'll answer this and, one in the mailbag and, and, and that's what we're gonna do so <laughs> stay tuned for that coming up in the coming day um hey listen at this point we may, we're trying to produce content with was with, with, with in this in this kind of and this, limbo and this groundhog day that we're going through. <laughs> um, you know, well, I, they, they, one, they, they watch huddle film, they, you know, and, and ultimately they try to get these kids on campus as soon as they can. So like, you know, th their goal in, in a lot of ways, let's say if COVID had not happened, you know, Tennessee would have had a ton of 2022s on campus last year working out, 
and as many 2023s as they could get on campus working out at camp. That allows them to get their hands on them, kind of see what they look like, see how they move, see if they've got stiff angles, stiff ankles, or, or, or bad Fluid bone hips. density. Bad Fluid bone, hips. bad bone. My favorite is the bad bone density. Again, I, you know, are you walking up, smack them in the leg with a hammer and seeing what they're, you know, how, how it jumps out or not? I mean, I just, I've never understood that one. Um, you know, but I mean, a lot of that is, is started by the head coach or sorry, by the assistant coach as far as like how how the contact goes. And then, and then the head coach as well. So, I mean, like everything is different. Like Jimmy Pritt's a very hands-on recruiter, you know, whereas like at, at, at Alabama, you know, Ty Simpson's got to schedule a 640 phone call for 10 minutes, for, you know, for the president of the SEC. So, I mean, like, you know, there's just – it's just a different feel. You know, at Georgia, you know, I mean, you know, same thing. I mean, Kirby's a little more like Jeremy, like as far as like, they're not scheduling calls. But I think part of that is the fact that Nick doesn't even have a cell phone. You know, so, I mean, like, you know, it, it just different things. But, like, they watch, watch a lot of huddle film, but ultimately they will only get the kids on campus. This past year, you're having to really trust your eyes. And then think about it. I mean, like, you go into a, you go into a year, Tennessee – you know, Tennessee did not sign, you know, Colby Smith. And I think, you know, part of the part of the thing that hurt Colby Smith was the fact that he didn't have a, didn't have a senior year. There was no senior film. So then you're watching a kid that's extremely raw on junior film that, you know, you really would love to have seen in camp or would love to have seen play his senior year, and you didn't have that. So, you know, I think when you start weighing, like, how you how do, whether you take the kid or not, is it smarter to try to go into the transfer market and take a tackle? For, from a place, you know, or, 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 or take a chance on a kid that has not played in over 12 months. And even when he played then was extremely raw. And I would say, I would chime in that they don't consult the rivals rankings at all. No, it, here, here's, here's where the rankings come into play. I think for, you know, for schools, not just Tennessee, all of them, they only care really about the rankings when a kid's committing and how it looks, you know, they don't use it as an evaluation. Yeah, they don't use it as an evaluation at all. But don't don't make no mistake. All schools, not just the Vols, all schools want um, want their kids to be ranked as high as they can, especially when they commit or get close to signing day. Because every signing day press release from the sports information department includes their rankings. Yeah, well, and there's an athletic director um, who used to be a head coach who wears a power T who asked me one time years ago, Hey, if we sign this particular linebacker from down in Florida, where would that change our, where would that take our team ranking to? Because that's, you know, but then the next year they didn't sign a, as highly acclaimed class. And it was the rankings were done by guys in a barbershop that didn't know anything about rankings. So a lot of times the rankings part is, as you mentioned, is to fit their narrative, by the way, Nick Saban may not have a cell phone call. He probably wishes his daughter didn't have a cell phone as well. <laughs> um, but let me, let me ask you this question about visits. It's a dead period right now. And it's been dead for nearly a year and it's not yep. supposed to open back up till April. At the earliest, at the earliest, Austin, we were talking about this off the podcast, and it brought me into this question because you, you made a point to me and I thought it was pretty fascinating. At some point, they have to open this thing back up. It, it, it cannot be, you know, they cannot go through another six months of a dead period and have kids not see schools and then still expect them to make the right decision and not have 
thousands of kids in the transfer portal. Could they, is there a way they could sort of almost softly open this thing up or slow roll it, Austin? Yeah, I think there is. I mean, like, I just don't see them. I mean, like, you, you think about when April rolls around, it'll be 13 months of a dead period. And so, like, at some point, you're going to have to open it back up because, you know, these kids are end up, they end up going to, to, to campuses anyways, you know. And, you know, I just think it behooves you to, 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 even if you do it in a certain way, like, okay, 2023s, if you make a visit, it's unofficial visit, you can't go see coaches, basically same thing we're in now. But 2022s, you're allowed to take official visits, but you can't take unofficial visits and see coaches. So in other words, if, if you really want to take a visit, you're going to make it count. I think that might be the best way to go about it. And that way you really limit the number of kids who are wanting to take visits. Like a guy like Ty Simpson, you know, if, if Ty was still on the market come April, and I don't think he probably will be, but you never know. You never know. Um, you know, if, if he waited till then to take visits, I, I think he's a perfect candidate as a quarterback to take April official visits you know, to, to, to schools. So, um, you know, I, I think that there's a way to do it that still protects the student athlete, but also helps the student athlete. I mean, think about these kids that, you know, and Tyon Evans signed here. He's never been to Knoxville. You know I mean? Like someone's, you know, there, there's plenty of those instances out there from this past recruiting class. And that's just rough. That's rough on the kids. Wait, the, and, the, and the kid, on the basketball side, the Mayshack kid is from California. He's never, you know, he didn't take a visit here. But don't Sorry. you think? But don't you think, Rob, that it's that at some point we have to get to a point where they say, whether it's on a limited scale, uh, you know, that hey, you can have an official visit weekend, but you can't bring in more than three kids or five kids at a time or whatever. I mean, don't they have to? Yeah, open that's another great up? idea. Wait a minute, you're you're saying no, Rob? They don't have to open this thing up. September. September. What well, I think. Wow, that's interesting. We'll see. I, I think in the grand scheme of things, man, that's a that's a pretty small, you know, having kids take visits at you know a minuscule portion of the population be able to take, you know, visits is doesn't stack up as a as a big much when you look at the big picture of this pandemic. And I'm not, and you guys know I'm not a COVID freakout guy either. Well, but, here's how I look at it. If you can have fans in the stands, there ain't no reason why they because the kids can come unofficially. So there's no reason to me why kids can't come and take visits, and you'll never convince me otherwise. I just like if, if, if I, I mean I don't disagree with you as far as the reality. I just think the NCAA errs on the side of caution because because of public perception, and until the vaccine is really widely distributed, I don't think it opens back up. We'll see what happens. That's a long time, but I see your point. You're right. The they err to the side of caution. We'll we'll see if something changes there. And, and they open that back up, um, but it, it's it's a difficult if time not, for I blame those Rob. kids. I blame Rob. If not. <laughs> they listen to this podcast. Hey, I, listen to the- I really hope that's not the case. I'm just I'm pessimistic about it. All right, let's go to Z Rob twenty three. If you were Jeremy Pruitt, what would your coaching staff look like next year? Uh, it would be <clears throat> defensively. It'd be Kevin Steele and Rodney Garner on the defensive side of the ball, and 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 you know matriculate out from there offensively, you know, I don't know. I, 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 Sean Payton, offensive coordinator, I think would be a good hire. Payton Manning, quarterback's coach. Payton Manning, quarterback's coach. Stop, Rob. You're going to get 
You're going to get us in trouble Jason, with the general's Jason Witten, tight ends coach. <laughs> you're you're going to get us in trouble with the, with the general's quarters, Rob. And, and, and at this point, I'm just trying to make sure my social security number is not put on there <laughs> before it's all said and done. Ken, ECG wants to know of the players currently in the portal, do you expect any of any to return due to not being picked up by another school? And who do you think they're, they're upset about? I mean, maybe they take Austin Pope. Well, I could see I could see a walk on coming back, a non scholarship guy. Oh, uh, yeah, that way. And and again, what what does the staff look like? What do things look like? I mean, I, I think the people that fans would be interested in are going to land other are going to land other places and, I, and have I, I, and I, have I, other I, spots. I, I don't get I don't get the the you know, and I ain't gonna say names because. I just don't get the media that are like pushing this whole narrative of, of all the guys in the transfer portal. I mean, yeah, there are guys there, but I mean, like, again, like you're going to have in, in a, in a, in a regular world, you're going to have between hundred, 105, you know, thereabouts scholarship guys next year because of the extra year with COVID, you know, maybe some maybe up to one ten, depending on how many, how many you had, how many seniors you had. I mean, I just – like, losing a few guys was going to be necessary. Like, I mean, I remember texting – me, Hubs, you and I were on the way back from Vanderbilt, and I told you then, the Vols need Ty Chandler to move on because if he's back, then you're not playing your best running back. And, you know, or – sorry, yeah, if he's back and you're not playing him, then, then you know, you're, pl- you're not playing a senior, and that, that looks bad. But if he – is you know if he's back and you are playing him, you're not playing your best running backs. So I mean, like you know, I, I think Tennessee had a few of those guys. You know, I, I think the loss of DeAndre Johnson hurts because he was your leading guy to get to the quarterback. You know, he he had really grown, I think, in in in, in you know on the defensive side of the ball. Pope, again, best tight end. That's a relative term because I don't know if Tennessee had any really good tight ends. I mean, like you know, I mean, so. I just keep going back to like nobody. To me, they've literally lost nobody outside of Bryce Thompson, who elected to go to the NFL. Uh, that really, you know, will affect their overall record a, a year from now. To this point, to this point, Brock Koval wants to know Uncle Austin thoughts on a kid from South Dole, Sean Gary. Uh, that is, do you see him being an SEC level prospect? Also, what other East Tennessee prospects are flying under the radar now? Um, that might wind up in the being 22 legitimate prospect or prospects in the class of 2022. Uh, no, I do not see Sean Gary as an SEC product. Um, hey, Pete, what do you think about my guy Trayvon Barfield? I, I think he's more of an SEC uh, running back or player. I, I don't know if he's a running back, but I think he could be an SEC athlete because he can run. I mean, the kid's got some raw speed. Now, Gary does too. Don't get me wrong. I, I think Sean Gary's a good player. I just don't mean like. Okay, you're comparing – if you're comparing Sean Gary and Elijah Young, like Elijah Young is a way better prospect than Sean Gary is, in my opinion. So, um, I just – I think Barfield I, has a chance. He's, a, he's at West, Knox West, by the way. And uh, the Elijah Simmons kid – or, excuse me, Elijah Rogers at West already has a couple – he's got a South Carolina offer. He does. Or he's detect. a good player. Wide receiver, quarterback. Okay. That's right. And then Lance, Lance Williams from Alcoa. Right. That's going to be a continued name that, that you hear out there as well. There's a couple of, a couple of big defensive linemen on that South Dole team. 
I'm not sure they're SEC players, but there's a couple pretty good looking, pretty good looking guys who move around in the defensive interior that will be interesting to see how their development is moving forward. Speaking of hypotheticals, if Jeremy Pruitt returns as Tennessee's coach next year with all that's gone on with the fan base, is the relationship just too far gone or will just winning be enough? Seems like many fans are out on him as a coach no matter what. I'll say this. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll take the lead here, okay? I think winning cures most every ailment. <laughs> yeah, it does. Okay? Um, and I say it from this standpoint. A year ago at the end of the season, everybody was worried about somebody coming after Jeremy Pruitt, and nobody gave a rat's rear end if he got his subject verb agreement right. Didn't matter. Okay? Um, so winning does cure all. The problem that you have for Jeremy Pruitt, if Jeremy Pruitt is back, is between now and the opportunity to win. And how do you, at that point, how do you rebrand him? What do, you, what do you look at? Can you rebrand him? Can you change the narrative on him in any way? Okay. Could you say, hey, you know what? We're going to open up spring practice. Okay. Or part of spring practice. And we're going to let the media see the football team. And you're going to write about the football team. Okay. And, 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 and let that happen that way. If, if things are open back up to where focus is more on the, you know, the team and the product out there than it is about breaking down every word that's said in a post-practice press conference. You know, do you do, if you can have interaction with fans, do you do a legitimate spring opportunity where people can meet Jeremy Pruitt and get autographs during spring practice? I think the challenge with trying to get the fans back is between now and playing a football game if Jeremy Pruitt's the football coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. I, I think that, that those are all things you you could do to, to make people feel like they're a part of the program. When you think about the basketball program, you know, you go back, not necessarily this year because it's different, but you go back to, to the Grant Admiral year, everybody felt like they knew those kids. You know, the peanut butter and jelly and all that stuff. Everybody felt like they knew them. And, uh, you know, that's what I keep going back to is like, you know, you've got to sell your program. And, that, and that's, that's on Tennessee. I mean, like, you know, at the end of the day, they don't let a whole lot of access happen. That just doesn't happen anymore. I mean, like, you know, and that's not a knock. That just kind of is what it is. But like to me, if you want to sell your program, you've got to open up the doors a little bit. Problem is, is COVID's probably going to, not, you know, you go to Rob saying September, if they ain't allowing recruits to come till September, they ain't letting us roll over for spring practice. Yeah. At least so, in my yeah. on the, I'll, I'll say basketball's, basketball's way different. And I'm, I'm it always, is a lot less. Well, from a, and from a fundamental aspect, helmets. Yeah. I mean, it's, you see I mean, these guys. You see them. When you, and, and there's 12 of them, or 12 or 13 of them, and not 85 of them. I mean, you get them covered and, I mean, you just, you just get a sense for the, for personalities. I mean, when you're around, you know, not necessarily this year with COVID, but you know, I, I, I talked to Jaden Springer and met him the first time when he was 15 years old. You know, there's so, so much fewer of them that you get, you know, media gets to know them and as a byproduct fans get to know them. All right. Quick hitters here as we go out the door, uh, who is the point person for the university during this investigation? The outside firm is doing the investigation, but is it the AD, chancellor, president that they report their findings to? This thing has to come to an end sooner rather than later, right? They're reporting to general counsel. Uh, general counsel is running this investigation, and the outside firm is aiding general counsel in that investigation, and general counsel reports to the chancellor and the president is how that works. 
Uh, could you guys comment on what Chris Lowe said today about it being difficult for Pruitt to be the head coach next year? It seems as if the narrative has shifted to him being out within within the next day or two. I don't think anything's going to happen the next day or two, uh, Austin, because they're continuing to talk to more people. I think they're scheduled to talk to more people in the coming days as well, correct? Yeah, they are. They're scheduled to do interviews today, tomorrow, uh, ne- early next week. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, if it happens, I would venture to say it's going to happen after the uh, investigation wraps up. I mean, you waited this long. Again, it, it may, if you do anything before an investigation wraps up, it makes you wonder why this wasn't done after the A&M game. And, and again, you know, just so much of this just is kind of a shake my, shake my head at some of this stuff. All right, Rob, a hoops question to you. Why is the worst ball handling guard on the roster, Keon, playing point guard? Uh, JJJ and Springer seem to be clearly more suited for that role. Rick Barnes loves him. I mean, it's pretty, pretty simple. The guy that's won 716 basketball games as a head coach thinks he's pretty good. He's not turning the ball. I mean, he had some early turnovers in non-conference, but his turnover numbers are going down, aren't they? Yes, they are. I think he, he maybe had one, one or two against Alabama. I mean, that's not great. I mean, you don't, you'd like for none, but I mean, the guy that, so many people think is the best point guard on the team. Santiago Vescovi had just a, a horrible turnover with a minute and three seconds left tonight coming out of a timeout. So don't don't say that to that one guy on the board. I said it and he, he thought I was, you know, just burning him at the stake. I, I like I like I like Keon John. I think Johnson's only going to get better and better. Um and I think you're starting to see that. I mean, he needs to make that jump shot a little bit better, but the the guy the guy has a good feel. I mean, I love the way he uses his pivot, you know, in the post area. His, to, to his get, footwork is great. Right, to get himself an open look. I mean, he got and a couple tonight that were really good footwork. And he, he can just jump over anybody. I mean, get a shot off. I wonder if I, – I mean, he's got to get a little stronger. Um, and so it may, not, it may not happen in his college career, depending on how long he's here. But I think that is a guy that when you got the right matchup, you can really post him up on the block. Oh, yeah, and they've tried to. And it's not – I mean, they tried to a couple of times tonight, and he just didn't get it. Yeah, I think that's something you could see this developing with him over the course of the next, you know, month and a half as they get ready to go later in the year for postseason play as they get settled in. I, I just think that that's – an individual, you know, workout, you know, doing some individual work that could continue to, you know, to develop for him. Because as you mentioned, he can jump over top of anybody and the footwork's good enough to get himself an, an opening into the basket uh, where he can, you know, he can make a shot there. Um, so, uh, you know. I, I mean, he, I just, had one, he had one turnover in 24 minutes tonight. Yeah, I mean, he's Tennessee not, had, I mean, Tennessee had five for the game. I, and, so. and here's the other thing, too. T- to me, Tennessee's not running – necessarily a true point either i mean they they rip it and run they don't they don't mind if springer brings it up the floor or muscovy or ponds or whoever brings it up the floor if they can you know i mean it's not like it's not like they're walking across half court and holding up the number two for that set and running that way i mean there's just so much freedom in that offense that it's it's a little bit point guard by committee don't you think oh totally i mean i don't they don't have what i would call a prototypical point guard on the team I mean, Santiago is probably the best passer, but he's not much of a penetrator. You know, Josiah can, can certainly do it, but, you know, 6'6", six, six, he's not blown by a lot of people. And, you know, Jaden can do it, but he, to me, is built like a, you know, just, just like, you know, God took a hammer and chisel and wanted to build an NBA two-guard. You know, just and, – and Keon is – they love I, – I can, I can promise you the head coach loves Keon's feel for the game, his intensity, and uh, – 
the way he sees the court. All right, last question here, and then we're out the door. I think this is a good one to end on here. If there, if there is any, tr is there any truth to the rumors that Pruitt is a micromanager, hard to work with, and that he has rubbed people the wrong on campus the wrong way? Do you think he realizes he's done this, or that people feel this way about him? I find it odd that recruits and players talk about how much they like him and how down to earth he is, but you hear rumors about how difficult he is to work with on campus. Um, I do not think he's a micromanager. I don't think he like sits in there and tells Jim Cheney what to do. Now, again, I've said this all year. Does, does, does Jeremy Pruitt and or every head coach go, can we please run the ball more? Like when somebody gets pass happy or can we, can we get more explosive when they get real run oriented? Yeah. I mean, every coach does that, you know? Um, you know, so I, I don't think that's the case. And, you know, I mean, was he rough around the edges when he first got here? There's no doubt about it. Is he better since then? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I think he's grown a lot as a head coach. Does that not mean that? I mean, I think he's still got a long way to go. But, I mean, you know, you had to understand when he first got here, like, you know, he had never talked to the media outside of doing the – Pre-national championship press conference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that one, it's one time a year thing for Nick. And so, like, you know, he had never talked to the media in terms of, like, you know – you know, on a, on, a, on a constant basis. So, I mean, I mean, he had to learn all that stuff. I mean, you know, going and sitting there and doing the, you know, the commercials for the Vol Network or doing the 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 readers for, you know, WIBK and the Vol Network or WVLT or whatever. I mean, he had to learn how to do all that stuff. Yeah, and I think that he's probably – he manages his program closely when it comes to things off the field. Um, and I think the players speak highly of him because I think every player feels like he has their back and whatever issue might come up. They feel like they can go to him and get his help if they have an issue on campus with something or there's some other thing that comes about. I think he's going to lean to the student-athlete because his first priority is a student-athlete. I think that's what people at Alabama said about him, player, former players there, and I think that's what a lot of current players at Tennessee have long said about him as well. All right, we're out of time. That's going to do it for this edition of the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast, the mailbag, the mailbag edition. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.